man. That was Blackberry Smoke, ladies and gentlemen. Out of Atlanta, Georgia. Great band. There's probably eight of them, seven of them. Um, they've been around for 20 years, in fact. And they just released their seventh studio album last, uh, well, two weeks ago, last Friday. And this was one of their songs, Ain't the Same, off the new album, which is called You Hear Georgia. And I highly recommend it if you're into Southern rock and roll. Uh, Blackberry Smoke is a great band. They've been here in St. Pete a couple times this year. I've seen them both. I actually caught them in Mississippi, believe it or not, in Tupelo, in between seeing them here in St. Pete. But, um,. I'm going to see them again in Jacksonville in August. Uh, they've got a three-set uh, tour going on with the Almond Betts Band, so it looks like that's going to be an all-day event. Well, welcome to Berg Bulletin, everybody. I'm Andrew Orr. I'll be your host for this foray into um, intelligent talk. I should say, um, about all things St. Petersburg. And all things St. Petersburg right now, for me anyway, is all things political because we have a mayoral election um, right here in front of us. So uh, I've been focused on that lately, clearly. I've created this podcast as a way for the public, the voters, to have a voice um, we need it actually this election cycle more than anything because if you look at the candidates you'll find that they all are very nice people there's roughly four or five leading candidates right now and there's probably two or three um, other candidates that personally probably don't have a prayer although stranger things have happened um, in fact I was speaking to Vince Nowicki who was a candidate for mayor we were talking just a half hour ago Vince unfortunately bailed out of the race I'm gonna learn more about that tomorrow when I speak to him which would have already happened by the time you hear this but um, I'm a little disappointed, um, discouraged maybe, because after speaking with him, I learned that he's a fellow um, voter that leans conservative. Um, I've always said that that is me. And this election, I am um, going to be looking for Policies and ideas, not personalities. I will tell you that uh, this is not my first podcast. I did a podcast up in Mississippi. And you may be asking, why were you in Mississippi? Well, the reason I was in Mississippi is because I was born there. Uh, Columbus, Mississippi, birthplace of Tennessee Williams, birthplace of Memorial Day. Um, lots of 
great homes to look at. A couple hundred of them, I think, <clears throat> that were built around the antebellum era. A nice jewel in the deep south. Anyway, my dad is still there. But ever since mom passed away about a year and a half ago, I've been driving up every month to see him. And I stay there about a week. So I tell everybody up in Columbus that I'm a part-time resident. Because every time that I would go up there, I would learn more and more about the political situation in Columbus. And it was very interesting. And they had a, a mayoral election happening at the time. It just concluded uh, two days ago. And my candidate won. The candidate that I supported, the candidate that I interviewed, the first candidate that I interviewed on that podcast called Columbus Talk, which is still available probably on Apple and Spotify and Amazon. I've been going up to Columbus. I've been... Um, knee-deep in the political campaigns up there and they are over although I will still be driving up there every month and uh, the person who won Keith Gaskin has a monumental task ahead of him uh, we defeated a 15-year incumbent and that was a very tough thing to do in a political race it was contentious, um, but it was positive. How could you have contentious and positive in the same sentence? I will tell you that uh, as I talk more about Columbus's mayoral election that just happened. But um, just for right now, um, I get back home down here to St. Pete and lo and behold we have a mayoral election in front of us as well as most of city council is up for election so I don't get a chance to breathe I am back knee-deep into politics with this podcast uh, first and foremost which I dedicate to my dad Gordon um, Gordon is is the last of the Mohicans uh, still going strong love you dad 85 years young normally I would be recording what would be its 10th episode of the podcast up there but I decided to shut that podcast down give the incoming new mayor who defeated the incumbent mayor breathing room and some space so that he can uh, do the things that he needs to do as he sees fit now that he's the mayor and I will refocus my energies down here in St. Pete because I think I was effective up there in a number of ways um, first off you had a candidate that said he was only going to run a positive campaign and you had a mayor an incumbent that had you know a half a million things that you could point to to criticize um, the city was 44 million dollars in debt the 
schools are failing uh, population is declining even though debt increased 500 percent during his tenure population actually went down that's an omen you never want your tax base to be decreasing when you're increasing your debt but that's what they were doing and a lot of it is frankly just cronyism they created a political fiefdom up there and um, they had a voting block that they were able to control basically for many many years and um, however this election cycle people were just fed up with all the incompetence so some people ran um, it was going to be an all positive campaign which meant that my guy would have been defeated I think and I say that because um, I think at the last moment the incumbent would have sprung some stuff like he did um, if the if the uh, if his opponent was just going to be very positive, not criticize him for anything. That was going along just fine, and then a group comes into town called A Better Columbus, and they realize how dysfunctional the place have become. They live in Belize, believe it or not, but they came back seeing what dysfunction there was and they're already retired so they decided to stay in town and help the town out by fielding candidates to run for the upcoming elections and as they were doing that they dug in because will is a cpa they dug into the records of the city and discovered all kinds of shenanigans and failure and incompetence and waste and whatnot so they started writing letters to the editor and writing articles and spreading the word and that was the beginning of the downfall of the administration because they were very effective at educating everybody unfortunately they put up a billboard that accused the administration of corruption or accused the mayor smith himself of corruption and they don't have any proof of that actually um, they did fire the CFO for stealing $300,000 from the city a few months earlier. There was corruption there right next door to the mayor. But since the mayor wasn't arrested, you can't say the mayor is corrupt. It's just one of those things. Well, they did. And the mayor's supporters had a cow, got really upset, and... Uh, that gave the mayor the opening that he needed to come down a little bit hard on ABC, also called A Better Columbus. And he thought that he was able to contain them by discrediting them, calling them racists and whatnot. And, um, and then I show up and I have this podcast about the election and I start writing letters to the editor and I distribute graphics and videos that I make, actually, which presents facts about the problems that Columbus faces. So I came out of nowhere with this stuff, and I don't consider it negative campaigning. 
These are facts. These are issues. In fact, um, I wrote a letter to the editor that advocated building a statue for the mayor because he was the first black mayor elected in Columbus, Mississippi since Reconstruction. That was glass ceiling shattering. I think that deserves in and of itself a statue somewhere in the city. He graduated in a Mississippi uh, historic uh, black university. He was city council for eight years, I think. He was vice mayor. He was mayor for 15 years. He spent 20 years in the school system as a coach, probably a principal at one point. He was my coach when I was in high school. He's owned a couple of businesses and he owns a lot of land. This is a personal success story. His leadership, however, as mayor has been abysmal. He has become corrupt, I think. Um, he has created a political fiefdom where basically it's friends and family benefit and nobody else. He hasn't helped his community. He has fooled them. And the rhetoric that he uses is very racially tinged. And um, I've proved that with some of the stuff I, I did put on the Nextdoor website. If you go to the Nextdoor website, you'll find it. Just look for Berg Bulletin. It's a group. The mayor uh, didn't see it coming. And I think this snowball that started rolling down the hill, and there was a couple of citizens that wrote letters to the editor that really painted the picture in facts, but it did not make the mayor look good at all. Well, the mayor and his surrogates come down on you if you live in Columbus. And that was really one of the things I've learned. Um, why what we did was so integral in that particular mayor's race. And that was... Um, we provided some help from out of town. We didn't have a business in town for them to harass and dox my wife doesn't live in columbus so they couldn't harass her and dox her and call her employer and try to get her fired and that's exactly what they did to people so people could not speak out for fear of retaliation and i believe me i ask people all the time in columbus why don't you just speak out write a letter to the editor oh no i've got a business here do you know what they'll do to you if you do that it's a real apartheid atmosphere up there well we transcended all of that didn't care about intimidation alleged intimidation and uh, ultimately we won so great what does that have to do with st. Petersburg Florida well a lot of things first off I promoted what st. what uh, Rick Baker did down here in st. Pete I promoted that up there in Mississippi because I looked at that election as identical to what Rick Baker did in 2001. There was racial strife, if you remember, those that lived in St. Pete in 2001. Rick Baker won. He got elected with 90% of Midtown four years later. 
very successful when it comes to racial strife. I mean, he won the election to begin with. That took a leap of faith. Did a lot of work. Four years later, Midtown, which is was the emphasis of a lot of his work, re-elects him 90%. I mean, that's huge. So I thought, wow, whatever Rick Baker did in 2001 in St. Pete, Columbus, Mississippi can do now. So I bought a bunch of Rick's books and I gave them out to everybody that was running. And um, so St. Pete is connected to Columbus right now, whether we like it or not, because they now have a new mayor coming in who knows Rick Baker and has his book and actually read his book. Um, and uh, he's not a conservative, the new mayor. Rick Baker is. Uh, conservative Republican mayor from 2001 to 2009 um, the guy that won the Columbus mayoral election is actually a moderate Democrat but he's the only one that had the guts to run for mayor against this 15 year incumbent political fiefdom and he ultimately won but um, so while that's happening, I'm down here now trying to figure out who to support for mayor. There's four leading candidates, probably five. I'm going to put Pete Boland in there as the fifth leading candidate. I don't see why he should be discluded. You've got Robert Blackman, who's in there. He's a councilman of two years. Sharp guy. I heard him speak. Uh, I've seen him in action take care of a problem for a constituent, a big problem, one that required going to the governor, and he did it tenaciously. So I come to this debate, not debate, but this question, who do we elect as the next mayor with some uh, a little bit of bias right now leaning towards uh, Blackman because I know that he didn't just blow my friend off my friend needed some help he owns uh, Central Cigars downtown the mayor Christman was trying to put him out of business and ignore the fact that the business was a cigar selling retail operation that happened to sell drinks it wasn't a bar um, Anyway, they won. The business is still there and is a fabulous place to go have a cigar in case anyone is interested. Located right there on Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. Central Cigars and its sister business, uh, Ruby's Elixir, which is a bar. And um, live music every night. Great people there. But Blackman came through for them. So that's fantastic. I know nothing about Pete Bolin, so I'm going to look forward to learning about him more. Just like I'm looking forward to learning about Vince Nowicki tomorrow when I interview him. Unfortunately, Vince isn't in the race, of course, but we can learn a lot from him nevertheless, and I don't think he's going to have any filters on him. I don't think. Anyway, let's see here. I do want to congratulate, by the way, Keith Gaskin up in Columbus, Mississippi for winning the mayoral election. It was the first time I've ever worked uh, 
that close. He's very open, very transparent, and uh, just a super person. But that was my first time at kind of seeing how the sausage is made. And it's it could be really ugly. I'll tell you, I was a poll watcher on election day two weeks ago. And um, it was an experience. Let me tell you, it was in the district that was heavy towards the incumbents. It was his district, Ward 1 in Columbus. And... Um, we did field a candidate for that seat in, in the city council, which was strongly their seat, Democrat. And she ultimately got destroyed. Um, didn't didn't take into consideration the impact of absentee ballots and ballot harvesting, which is legal in Mississippi, apparently. So I've been told. But it was fascinating. I mean, we were treated like third-class citizens. Um, when you can control the election machinery, there's a problem. The mayor appoints all the election officials. So that's, you know, not good. Somebody's got to appoint these people. I understand that. But you can create a political fiefdom if you can own the election machinery and... They pretty much own it, and they almost got away with it. The end vote was only separated by 22 votes. So, um, that was very interesting race up there. You can reach us at... Email bergbulletin at protonmail.com. That's bergbulletin at protonmail.com. Anywhere that you can get a podcast, this should be eventually. I mean, it was my last podcast was on everyone Apple, Apple, oh, excuse me, Apple, Amazon, uh, Spotify, um, Google, and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And I plan to do these, you know, every week or so. We'll see how it turns out. I'm also on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Berg Bulletin. And we are anywhere on Nextdoor's website. So if you are a Nextdoor person, you know, you got to sign into Nextdoor and your neighborhood is there and all your neighbors and whatnot. And you look for, you know, lawnmowers and lost pets and whatnot but you can have groups in there and i set up a group berg bulletin look for it join it i'm gonna keep posting daily to that and some very interesting stuff that i create i'm fairly creative on the photoshop and i've been getting into videography so who am i i mean Andrew Orr. I'm just a guy who's a voter in St. Pete, Florida. Happens to be from Columbus, Mississippi. Born there. Raised there. Went to high school there and left and went to Florida State after a year at Mississippi State. And then really started a business in Orlando. Sold that 11 years ago. And we moved to St. Pete. And I've pretty much been retired since that point in time. Uh, 
and um, I'm a political junkie by nature and I just notice this um, election seems devoid of any issues I mean we've got Tropicana field which you know is a big issue but I'd be, I'd be happy to take issues like that all day long versus COVID versus uh, racial strife. I don't sense any racial strife going on right now. It's always there under the current. I know, believe me, this last election in Mississippi, it was everywhere on the front page. They've got a racial centric um community up there it's the deep south but um, down here not so much which is great that we only have to worry about Tropicana Field I'm sure there's other issues um, let me know what they are go on next door and post something or comment on one of the many posts that are there uh, send me an email bergbulletin at protonmail.com and uh, I'm interested in learning about who these people are before I cast my vote. Are we looking at a popularity contest in St. Pete? A cult of personality politics? I don't know. I mean, we've got the candidates. We've got the leading mayoral candidate, City Commissioner Darden Rice. City Commissioner Robert Blackman, County Commissioner Ken Welch, who's been there 20 years, former state rep and city councilman Wengay Newton. Newt. I think I'm friends with him on Facebook. Seems to be a very warm guy. What can I say? They're all very nice, accomplished people, which makes this a difficult decision. Um, and why it's that much more important for us to separate the person from the record. Let's separate that. Um, let's find out their governing style. That impacts me more than whether they're gay or not. I don't care whether they're gay or not. I don't care that they're good looking in one way or another, depending on how you value looks. Those are all personal attributes. I think they have a role to play. I value success. The last election in Mississippi, I viewed Mayor Smith as a personal success because of his school contributions and being elected so long and being the first black mayor, being a landowner, business owner. and I mean, all those things are attributes that black children can look up to which is why I think we ought to still build him a statue, even though he was very unsuccessful in the end with his, his administration. So, I do want to throw out an honorary inaugural podcast sponsorship. Now, you know podcasts, they have sponsors. That means somebody goes out and sells time and advertising and maybe we'll do that one day <laughs> but right now I'm gonna just issue 
honorary podcast sponsorships. And the first one is Tijuana Flats. Tijuana Flats I go to every day. Not to eat. I actually get ice there. They've got the best crushed ice in town. Their food is good. Don't get me wrong. They just came out with wings, chicken wings. And they're to, they're to die for. There's four flavors. <clears throat> but I usually don't eat out. Uh, but they've got the best ice, and I love them all to death. The the uh, management on 4th Street is fantastic at Tijuana Flats. Also, Central Cigars and Ruby's Elixir, Flute and Dram, which is on Beach Drive. All of those are under same management. Um, a, if you like cigars, you got to go to Central Cigars. B, if you like to have a drink with your cigars, then Ruby Elixir or Flute and Dram whatever great spots uh central cigars is, has been there for over 20 years probably pushing 25. we'll be issuing an endorsement at the end of this towards the end of the campaigns but i'm not going to issue an endorsement yet because i don't know quite frankly who i'm going to vote for but Depending on how many people we get to follow the, the podcast, I'll issue an endorsement. Uh, I did with my podcast up in Mississippi, and we won. So I don't know if that helped. But essentially what's happening in St. Pete is the election, the election, the election. Um, to kind of dive into that, let's, let's look at someone who dove in as a candidate, got his feet wet, and then jumped out and withdrew. Uh, Vince Nowicki, and and I'm gonna um, get together with Vince tomorrow, and I'm gonna put his podcast interview right here. I'm here with Vince Nowicki, do you go by Vince? Yeah, Vince is good. I, I think I read that somewhere, yeah. as opposed to Vincent. Uh, but uh, I appreciate, first you, coming by and sitting down for this interview. You're my first interview. Awesome, exciting. For my inaugural Berg Bulletin broadcast. Okay. Uh, podcast, I should say. Say that ten times fast. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, I had another podcast okay. up in Mississippi. Right. Uh, I go back to Mississippi every month Okay. for a week to take care of my 85-year-old dad. Oh, nice. And I've been doing that for about a year and a half okay. since my mom passed away. Sorry to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. But ever since I've been doing that, I've been getting involved in Mississippi politics. Okay. And that had given me the idea to do a podcast. Yeah. So I ran it up there. The election's over. It was over last week. Nice. My guy won. Perfect. Which was fantastic. Yeah. Totally different election yeah. in St. Petersburg. Uh, here we have, uh, and I'm putting you in uh, the mix, even though you withdrew. Correct. Um, five nice candidates. This is kind of why I'm doing this podcast. Now we have more candidates. Right, right. But I should say five leading candidates. Right. I don't think the 20 year old. Um, I don't think he qualified. <laughs> I think he qualified. I just don't. Well, there's like a two thousand. I think he raised thirty five dollars or. No. Um, well, it was a $2,000 assessment that you have to pay, so I don't think... It was in the paper. <laughs> that he, to, I mean, today's the last day to qualify. I, I could be wrong uh, about Ingram, I think, is his last yeah. name. I don't know the 
lesser knowns too much I've been focusing because there is a money advantage obviously yeah um, that was really my first question um, well my first question was what possessed you to run for mayor and then did you withdraw because of the money situation so while I ran for mayor uh, there's a lot of issues in the city and you know a lot of people like myself, love the city of St. Pete, uh, though there's a lot of underlying issues that have been overlooked for a long period of time. Uh, you know, so we have over 600 homeless kids in our city. Uh, we, we have almost 6,000 in Pinellas County, uh, but 600 in the city of St. Pete. Um, wow. We've dumped a billion gallons of sewage into our bay over the last eight years and have been fined millions of dollars by the state of Florida and the EPA. Uh, St. Pete ranks number one in auto theft in the state of Florida. We have over a thousand cars stolen a year here in St. Pete. Um, you know, we've lost 7,000 jobs and it's harder to get, you know, every day just working jobs here in St. Pete. Uh, we have a $20 million deficit in the city and uh, we've had over 20 or 21 murders year to date. Uh, but yet we decided to defund our police last summer by over $6 million. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of issues in the city, and I really felt nobody, and I still kind of feel nobody is really, like, hammering on those issues. Well, I can tell you from my perspective as a citizen, that's true. Um, Because I'm kind of stabbing this as look at all these nice people and there's a there's not many issues well you just corrected me on that (laughs) clearly and i appreciate that yeah because i got really into the issues in up there in columbus mississippi my hometown um and really a lot of kind of the same issues they're budget issues they're 44 million in debt which is for a town the tenth of the size of saint pete 23,000 residents is huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A 500% increase. By the way, everybody, we are conducting this interview at Kraft, which is a 100% gluten-free restaurant. And we've got our buddies that are on motorcycles, and the city bus comes by, and the trolley. So please um, excuse the noise. I'm going to try to get it out when I edit this. But maybe not. <laughs> I mean, we but can. anyway, there were some of the same issues, and um, right now it looks to me like a popularity contest. Okay, this is where we took it inside because the noise outside was ridiculous. So it got a lot better, as you will see. Uh, is it a popularity contest? You think right now? Because I don't hear any issues. The only issue I've ever heard was Tropicana Field. In fact, I heard that from Robert Blackman directly. Right. I asked him, what's the most pressing issue? Right. He said, Tropicana Field. And I thought about that for a while, and um, I thought there's got to be more issues in that. Well, there is. I mean, so, you know, I look at, you know, Tropicana Field as a symbolic things of issues, and probably one of the biggest issues I've noticed in city government is the corruption. So, you know, it's great. Everyone's talk about how bad, you know, Tropicana field development is or, you know, they only say like it's an issue for like which developer to pick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they don't say, well, the Rays gave Christman almost two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and to the final two finalists gave Christman uh, to his Sunrise Pack last reelection 
upwards of 50 grand each mm. so how is it the pay only, to play how is it the only people that stand to benefit would be a the rays who are entitled to 50 percent of all profits from development through the end of 2027 per their lease or a developer who's going to get 86 acres for pretty much free plus a 70 million dollar cash or a hundred million dollar tax credit uh huh. And nobody wants to talk about Peter Schwartz uh, wrote an article earlier this week at the very end where he called out Craig Shear, uh, who had got the police building, who worked on Christman's campaign, uh, mm. called out that a little bit. But, you know, only a couple hundred people read these like, you know, political leaning articles and stuff. Um, so corruption is a big issue. And you see all these people that donated to Christman are now lining up, donating to Ken Welsh and Darden Rice, um, you know. So people want to talk about a swamp, you know. Yeah. We're right here in the St. Pete, you know, drain the bayou here in St. Pete. Well, and that, you know, was the number one issue in Mississippi in my hometown was corruption. Yeah. And uh, up there was different. It was an actual political fiefdom. They had, it was it was boardwalk empire, Mississippi <laughs> style. I mean, it really was. Right. 15-year incumbent. That's who we had to defeat. Right. And we, we did, did defeat them, but... But, but they, you know, helping friends and families yeah. only, not helping other citizens. Right. Um, and then the he assigned a person who was who got all city projects for six percent. And the reality of it was there was a lot more being paid than that six percent. Plus, it's a terrible way to pay a project manager if you're looking to keep costs down. Right. I mean, that incentivizes someone to keep costs up. Right. What type of corruption is down here? What does it look like? Other, I mean, is it insider influence mostly? Oh uh, well, so yeah. I mean, you have you know a lot of it. A lot of it's development. You know, that's why you're seeing a lot of development. You know, go on okay. throughout the city. Um, you have this lot here on Central and Fourth. You know, which is currently fenced in. That's vacant. It's a whole city block. New York developer, right? Yeah, John Castamatis uh, from Red Apple Real Estate Group. Uh, you know, he gave Christman fifty-four thousand dollars to his uh, re-election campaign, and you know, St. Pete, you know, City Council voted. Uh, along with the Economic Development uh, Commission in a 19-minute meeting to change the density requirements so he could build the tallest uh, building in St. Pete with zero public input. So, you know, if a neighbor wants to add a garage in their neighborhood, they have to go through a public hearing, but yet a whole city block to increase the density requirements, there's no public input. And it just so happens the guy who's doing it donated money to the mayor and other city council people's campaigns and no nobody talks about it. st pete catalyst doesn't talk about it tampa bay times doesn't talk about it there is zero integrity or investigative journalism in this city i could totally understand that from what i just went through although the paper up there which leans democrat is now being run by the grandson and i think he's doing a decent job but the um reporters of 30 years ago are gone where's the walter cronkite where's the walter cronkite yeah. right um that's it's nothing but you know fluff you know they just want oh you know it's like oh development's good um i mean in a sense it's you know okay you know but we can't even process you know our sewage now i mean so the city of st pete only processes 70 percent of our raw sewage currently wow so 
you know, it's, you know, and you have one sky rise going up next to the Hilton. You have one going up next to the Duke Energy Building, one going up on Mirror Lake. It's like 20 uh, years all over again. Yeah, you have another apartment <laughs> building going up uh, next to Echelon across from Publix downtown here. I mean, so you're just adding three or four new high rises within a couple of square blocks. And this is already the most densely populated, you know, block downtown. And then you have John Castamas's building, the Red Apple, which is going to be 54 stores. Uh, and then is that w- happening? Oh yeah, they're going to start groundbreaking this year. Um, so we have a serious infrastructure and sewage problem in the city. Water, and we keep building roads, and we keep building. And they keep on increasing our taxes and utility rates. So you know, me being a fiscal conservative, you know, we're in expanding or widening our tax base why are we increasing the millage rate and utility rates if, if if you're spreading the burden amongst more people why do we have to increase the rates right well and the opposite is also true that i experienced and that was you had an administration up there in, in my hometown that borrowed money yeah for like 30 years issue a 30-year bond right for a 10-year road yeah. <laughs> so 10 years goes by and they need a new road, but they still have to pay on the bond for the next 20 years. And that's what happened. They went from 8 million in debt to 45 million in debt in 15 years, which right. is a 500% increase. And I always and the population decreased during that yeah. time period. Decreased. Yeah. So you have a growing debt, but a decreasing tax base. Right. I mean, that's as, that's even worse than what you're describing. Yeah. Here well, we've got an increasing, there. right? Yeah. Thank God. And I've said that actually in my um on next door st pete has a lot of things going for it um so it's it's i can see that but you are full of issues and and uh, so i have to ask why but why would you an issues rich candidate as i can tell bail out so you know my focus is now helping a couple people run on city council um you know so i've already you know publicly committed to help one um kyle hall so he's running in district two against the uh, the incumbent uh, brandy gabbard um you know so i've already committed and endorsed him publicly so i'll be helping him and then i've already met with other candidates and other districts and meeting with a couple more next week um so you know a lot of these city council races get you know no attention but at the end of the day you know they control the legislation for the city so if i can you know help get some of the people that you know agree with my platform dr ed and ideas um and i don't i don't don't get that reference oh dr ed carlson sorry ed carlson's running for district one city council um he is the 80 year old um community guy won't help him if he's 80 i mean he should just probably retire in my Uh, well he is uh do you know dr ed he is an amazing guy actually but uh uh written books on health i mean he looks like he's 50 years old and is is a triple black belt in five different disciplines i mean he's he's a really dynamic guy he's he's gonna cakewalk that race cakewalk it he knows everybody in that district um, we'll see. I the mean, benefit of being 80 years old. I'm sorry, this is your interview. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I've, I've publicly said uh, several times, you know, if, if there's a statistical chance um, that if over a 50% statistical chance that you could die in the next five to 10 years, you probably shouldn't be allowed to run for public office uh, <laughs> because you're creating policy that me, a 28-year-old, and that other people my age yeah. um, are going to have to live with. So why would 
um, you know, I want to support somebody who's creating policy, you know, from 80 years ago, I mean, it's 2021, um, you know, when they were talking about, you know, um, integration in Vietnam, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people are creatures of habit at the end of the day, and so a lot of them are ingrained in political battles of the past. And you know, I agree with that. So I just don't want, you know, someone who's 80 years old, you know, my grandmother died at 83, to be creating policy for where I'm going to live for the next 60 years, mm-hmm. and my kids are going to live for the next, you know, however long. So good argument. I think, you know, that, you know, I appreciate people's public service and everything that they've done, but I think, you know, that's where you kind of, in the military, I'm not military, I've never served in the military, but it's like you're supposed to train, you know, the people under you, so when you're, not the people over you, exist, uh, (laughs) you know, they know what to do, so, you know, I would appreciate if people kind of took that role and, you know, trained the next generation or inspired them from that. Well, black men had only been there two years. Yeah. (laughs) So, he. You know, he, he, there's not enough time to train very many people, I would think. Right. Um, so, so you know, I, you know, I'll be more than glad to meet with him. You know, I, you know, uh, I've taken a particular. Sounds like you have a Bobby, dog in the hunt. <laughs> Bobby uh, Shea or Bobby Lee, I believe her name is. Um, you know, I think she worked on a campaign for count, someone that was running for county commissioner. I have to double check that, but you know, we've talked a little bit. Um, so, but again, you know, the only person I've committed to helping uh personally privately and publicly is kyle hall in district two so. i'll check him out yeah for sure i know we're going to get into those races yeah. in this podcast i did 10 well nine episodes of my yeah. other podcast so and you'll be the only one probably. and i'll but probably be the only one yeah and you'll probably be the only one uh, and people will listen that's what we we had 500 people in awesome. in columbus which yeah. is nine or twelve thousand registered voters okay i thought that was pretty good um, oh yeah i mean Loved your barb directed at Pete Boland. Um, Which is, one? I did a couple. <laughs> the one about him voting for all the Democrats. Yeah. Is he not wanting to run as a Democrat for some reason? Uh, you know, he calls himself a, uh, what a Ron Paul or Rand Paul Republican. Uh, I don't see how either one of them. Libertarian? Sure. I don't see how either one of them would vote for the leftist progressive Andrew Gillum. So, uh, you, you know, I, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, his uh, libertarian viewpoint, uh, but Andrew Gillum was like the furthest person away right. from a libertarian. So, you know, Christman. Yeah, Christman, Darden Rice. He voted for Darden Rice over the president of the Young Republican, Jared Johnson. Mm. So, you know, he was like, he That's said, in a, he said, in apostasy. A comment, he, he said in a comment that. Uh, you know, oh, you know, voting for Darden Rice was better than some wacky liberal, and I was like, you mean the president of the Young Repub- <laughs> the president of the Young Republicans, and, you know, Jared Johnson? Oh. You're saying that guy is a wacky liberal compared to Darden Rice? I mean, Darden Rice is, you know, the furthest left person in the race. You know, she wants same day voter registration, which she has zero control over, by the way. She wants universal pre K and universal oh, community college. Uh, you know. And how much is that going to cost? And she said, oh, we'll get to those details later on in the campaign. It would cost $40 million just for community college. You mentioned Darden Rice, and I have a quote in here from her from the paper. It said, I want to grow the economy the right way. What is the right way exactly? I mean, they never say that. They, ne- right. they, they never get into the details. Right. It's like... You make too much money. Well, what is too much money? Or you don't pay enough tax. What is enough tax? What was the exact quote? Um, the exact quote was, I want to grow the economy the right way. 
Well, probably how she views, you know, growing the economy the right way is everybody get a government job like she's had, you know, making fifty to fifty-three thousand dollars a year. But somehow, in her financial disclosures, she has one and a half million in assets and multiple properties. So I would be curious to know on how someone that's been a public servant for the last decade um, and before that serving in other, you know, public service roles. You know, how does she have over a million dollars in what what economic right way do you make 50 grand a year and yet you have multiple properties and over a million dollars in assets? I can tell you that's hard. Yeah, to, maybe if she's to, yeah. Because the election I just came out of, the guy, the, the mayor, same thing. His, his real estate purchases stopped all in 2011, incidentally. Yeah. And that was right when this city project manager came to town and... He since though has all kinds of money and houses and things, and but it's you can't call them corrupt because there's no proof. Right. Right. Um, well, I, but it's a good question. Well, yeah, I just you know where'd she get the money? I mean, she said she only makes fifty-two, fifty-three thousand dollars a year. You know, I got out of the race, or uh, you know, maybe I'll dig into it for fun and post about it. Um, you know, because I'm in real estate, I have a real estate business, I do real estate investing. Finally made fifty-two, fifty-three thousand dollars a year. Um, you know, you couldn't even afford to pay the property taxes on all no. those properties. No. So, I, you know, I don't, maybe someone can help me understand how. how I'm a financial planner, and I, I can't figure it out. Right. <laughs> um, she said about the trop, but her first priority for the trop project is ensuring it restores equity and honors the black families who lived there before the stadium was built. Right. Now, is that pandering to the black vote? Oh, you know, me as a conservative, you know, I'm a registered independent, but I would say I'm very, you know, fiscally conservative and conservative when it comes to less government intervention in someone's life, more personal responsibility. You know, I'm against eminent domain and the government coming into someone's land and home and taking it for government use Mm -hmm. um you know that's in my opinion more like the founding fathers you know uh, took a stand on or saying no the government can come in and seize your property you know without due cause or you know i guess that's why they created eminent domain yeah uh but you know those backed up by the supreme court unfortunately right so you know those families you know were compensated to what amount i don't know with inflation, everything today isn't relevant. I'm not sure. I haven't done enough research on it. Um, but I believe, you know, Florida law states that if you take land using eminent domain and you're not using it for that purpose anymore, you have to offer it back to the people that you took it away from. So, you know, that discussion isn't really happening. So maybe that's what's going on. From what I see. Um, but I think Darden Rice, you know, will pander to anyone that she can get votes from. Right. It seemed obvious pandering to me. Because um, she can't she can't go and knock on people's doors and say, hey, you know, vote for me. Because they'll be like, who are you? I mean, I've knocked on over 10,000 doors and people ask me, oh, who are you running against? And I would say, you know, Darden Rice, Ken Welsh. And they say, who are they? Like, people don't even, you know, they, they don't even know who these people are. Um, so it's such a you know low voter turnout and low engagement um, in these local races. You know Ken Welsh has been in office for 20 years, and I would knock on people's door and they say, "Who's Ken Welsh? Been your county commissioner for 20 years." Oh, but look at his endorsements. Have you seen his materials? 
I mean, I don't it's know. like fifty. He lay, he lay, he prints fifty people's names there. I, I don't know what you're endorsing because if you look in his website, it says "Vote for me." I've been in office for twenty years. I mean, so they're blindly endorsing somebody off of no platform. So you have no clue what this guy wants to get done or plans to do. And you know, I think has been his career has been riddled with some corruption or accusations of corruption with him trying to get his wife a job on the juvenile welfare board him you know trying to double dip salaries um, when he served on committees and other stuff but yet was on the commission um just the fact that you're a 20-year politician i think i think he's made two million dollars over the last 20 years hundred thousand a year yeah that's right um and he's getting a you know hundred thousand dollar a year pension from the county commission Plus the two hundred twenty-seven thousand dollar mayor's salary, he'll be making a sweet three hundred thirty grand a year. Mm. Now, do you think it's him and Rice in the primary? Does Wayne Gay Newton have any chance? He seems like a nice guy. I'm sure everyone's a nice guy. Everyone is. I you think. know, yeah, uh, that's the problem. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, again, you know. I'm not saying, you know, I don't like to say, you know, I've met, you know, Wingay a couple times at, you know, different fundraisers and stuff. And so out of the, you know, um, Democrats, you know, I would say I like him the most out of the Democrats. Um, but uh, I think she'll dominate. I, you know, I, you know, I, I just don't see, you know, a real. I know you don't support them winning, but in the Democrat primary... Well, it's a nonpartisan, so it's an open primary. So all, uh, the, all the candidates go into one pile, and the top two, whoever gets the most votes, move on to the runoff in November. Okay, thank unless, you. Unless I some, was unaware of that. Unless somebody I knew it was a nonpartisan race, but I didn't quite understand how that impacts the primary. Right. Now I know. Yeah, so it's all the candidates go into one pot, and then the top two... Wow. You know, so, you know, if someone wants to look at math and see why it would be hard for a Republican to win a citywide election. You know, there's 89,000 registered Democrats in the city of St. Pete. There's about 52,000 registered independents or others, and then about 49,000 registered Republicans. So the Republicans are the third party in St. Pete. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So... I'm independent. I right. Mean, I used to be Republican. Right. And a lot of people are independent. So, you know, if you have, you know, that's why you don't see, you know, eight Republicans run, lining up to run for mayor. And All the, the candidates in Mississippi ran as independent. One, the Democrat who won, he was yeah. a mayor. I mean, he's he won the mayorship. Sadly, to me, he's a Democrat. Uh, I have a lot of Democrat friends, but... Um, Ideologically so. Yeah. I was saddened, but he was the only candidate we had. Right. But he ran as an independent because everyone is so anti-party right now. Do right. you feel that? Yeah, 100%. You know, when I, you know, again, I've knocked on over 10,000 doors and made, you know, thousands of phone calls, thousands of text messages. And, you know, Republicans, Democrats, obviously independents, you know, are tired of, you know, a two-party system. Mm. And, you know, when people say, oh, you know, the race is nonpartisan, it's not nonpartisan. That's what I'm saying. Um, because 
again, I've knocked on the most doors, and the number one question people would ask me, the first question is, are you a Republican or Democrat? That was the number one question. They didn't care about <clears throat> Tropicana Field. They, they closed themselves off, you right. think? Yeah, yeah, it's just, that's boom. The first the first question people would ask was, oh, what's your what's your plan about, you know, literacy rates in South St. Pete being 25%? How are you going to get them up? Or, you know, what's your plan for, you know, gentrifying or unifying all of St. Pete? It's Republican or Democrat. And I've knocked on doors throughout the whole city, Democrats, Republicans, independent everyone's door and that's the number one question number two question is who did you vote for uh you know uh you know joe biden or donald trump you know that oh would be, really that, yeah that'd be you know the same because you're talking about this race you just withdrew from or yeah, another yeah. race because I, I would say i'm a registered independent right so I'm, sure i'm not a so that the next thing is for them to decide is whether they like me or not right um is well who did you vote for oh i see yeah so, Interesting. So people say, oh, it's a nonpartisan race and party politics aren't into it. Well, obviously they haven't went out and talked to their constituents or the people in the city because, you know, if you go right now into like a heavy Democrat, you know, district in the city and, you know, you want to run for mayor and, you know, you say you voted for Donald Trump, uh, you know. But good luck. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to, you know, give you a good chance. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's radioactive, I think. Right. Yeah, but Trump. same thing, you know, if you go to a very heavily Republican yes. precinct and say, hey, you know, you're a Democrat and you say, oh, I voted for Joe Biden, uh, they're going to close the door on you. It's right. Like, oh, okay, you know, um, we're not voting for you. Thanks. Try well, my neighbor down the street. Hopefully maybe. <laughs> I can assist in that with this if we have any traction with my podcast, because I think we need to dispense parties as well. I think I'm just speaking for myself. I've been unhappy with what the Republicans have done with the party. And I think there's a lot of Democrats on the same boat and uh, focus on issues and um, get away from the personalities. Yeah. Uh, so that's really what I seek to do in, in, in having interviews and stuff like that. Um, do you think money equals support at this stage? No. No, I mean, if you look at, you know... Again, I'm probably one of the handful of people that have combed through the donation, you know, uh, contribution and expenditure reports for all the candidates. You know, I doubt even some of the campaign managers do, Um, you know, but I look through them all, you know, and I've, you know, caught out people that, you know, say, oh, big conservative and, you know. I stand against you know, all these all these things, but yet I say, well, why did you give two hundred and fifty dollars to X candidate? Oh, well, they called me. Oh, and you own a restaurant and blah blah blah. So now you're just supporting your own self-interest versus what they're doing. Um, you know, so no, you know, especially a lot of the money from Darden and Ken. I mean, have come from you know out of state. You know, you look at you know they get money from New York, you know, Chicago, California. Um, you know, or down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, um, you know, especially... Well, I'd love to see a pie chart on that one. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, at least a third of their money has, hasn't come, or all of my money, maybe except for like $25 my mom sent me in Baltimore. <laughs> um, you know, most of my money is all here, you know, St. Pete, not even like Clearwater or Largo or Tampa, but they're getting money, again, not from St. Pete, you know, which is great. 
um, it's money, but you know, sadly, you know, a dollar doesn't equal a vote. And I think that's what you know people are sadly misguided by, or what the yeah. political establishment or elite—that's the only metric that they look at—is money raised. You know, it's you know. And endorsements. Yeah, you know, I'll trash Pete Bowen real quick. Uh, you know, I'll take any opportunity I get. Um, you know, you go on his Facebook page, and all these people, oh, you know, Pete for St. Pete, and all this stuff, and it's like, why well, look him up? And they don't even live in St. Pete. And so, you know, we'd be like, well, you know, you don't even you don't even live in the city. Oh, well. Don't have to. You don't. It's not required. Well, no, they live in like Palm Harbor or whatever. Right. So, well, it's like, well, okay. Oh, well, I see what you're saying. Well, you can't even vote for the guy. You know, <laughs> so it's it's great. You know, you get all these like followers and attention and stuff. It's like, well, what about actual voters in the city? Yeah. That's what you need. That's what you need. Not you know money. You know, you send out mailers or TV ads. Um, but my whole strategy was, you know, if I knock on enough people's doors, you know, how much money is someone going to have to spend to convince someone that I've knocked on their door, met them face to face, looked at them at the eye, shook their hand, they said they're going to vote for me. How much money is my opponent going to have to spend to convince that person that shook my hand, said they're going to vote to me, to my face, to not vote for me? So I, that I, was your strategy. I, yeah, I mean, granted, I'm not a political consultant. I'm a you know complete outsider, but. You know, I think, you know, you'd have to spend whatever 10 times you were budgeting, you know, to convince someone that met me face to face. You know, I think you'd have to spend 10 times that to convince them otherwise. I think you're right. Although I lean more on social media these days because of the destruction of traditional media. And that's why you go face to face, meet people. Well, that's true. (laughs) You can't get to. But you can only meet so many people face to face. There's only so many weekends and there's only. I was going door to door every day, you know, five, six hours a day. You can, (laughs) you can, you can do a a podcast and reach, uh, you know, 500 people. I don't know. I mean, I'm not dissuading you. I think I've gotten the most followers too. Well, you have. That was actually one of my questions, and I was very impressed with that. Excuse the interruption, but you have the identical amount of followers as as uh, Darden Rice, yeah. basically. And uh, talking about Facebook, is like you have what was it, fifty six hundred each? Pete has fifteen hundred or something, and you're not in the race. Yeah, you know it's. Um but nobody looks at that as a metric, right? You know, I do. Well, yeah, it's, you do. Especially when when the other guys, uh, Ken Walsh Blackman and Welch, and they didn't yeah. they didn't list their numbers. I don't even think Wingay has a social media account. He does. Okay. He's he's on Facebook. We <laughs> actually are friends. I've okay. never met the guy, but somehow he accepted a friendship or something. Right. But he seems very warm. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> I think my messaging has all been about the people of the city. And not about, you know, partisan politics or, you know, not about, you know, because the problem is, you know, with Darden, Ken Welsh, Blackman, Wingay, you go into a community where you've been absent for a decade, but yet you're the elected official. What are you going to say to people? Oh, sorry, I haven't showed up in the last four years, eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years, but vote for me now. Like, it just doesn't work. And so I saw that as a common theme. I've knocked on doors throughout the whole city, and they say, oh, we're tired of seeing Ken Welsh's, you know, signs, or he's running again, but he never shows up. He never shows up in the community. Same with Wengay, Darden Rice, you know, they're not in the community. And so, again, I'll trash Pete Bowen every second I can. Uh, you know, 
who lives in his bar. You know, I think he should take a breathalyzer test before he posts to Facebook or shows up to an event. Um, but I'm not in the race anymore. So. Well, and that is disturbing to me because you basically, so far, you're my type of candidate. I'm an independent, and I lean Republican and conservative and, yeah. and all of that, and I'm into issues, and I'm not hearing them, and I'm hearing them from you. Right. I'm not hearing them from anybody else. But uh, um, you're not here. You're not in the race. You're, and it's not because you support the guy in District 2. That's not why you left the race, is it? Well, it's, it's that. I want to focus on a couple, you know, so I want to stop. So, you know, we're rolling out a website, you know, it's called, you know, stop, stop the com. Oh. Um, and so, you know, we're going to focus on saying that it should be a city per our city charter. If you sell, lease or develop any city owned, you know, water park, waterfront or park, it has to be done by a citywide referendum. But for Tropicana Field, 86 acres, there's no citywide referendum. Um, they're just moving through yeah. with the development, and it's 20, <coughs> and that's 20% of land, you know, that city owns is Tropicana Field. 20% of city-owned land is Tropicana Field. So mm. one one fifth one mayor, one council should not decide the fate of that land. It should be a citywide vote. And let the people decide if it's developed, if the rays stay, if there's a ballpark there, if we pay for a new park, that's great. You know, Christman says, oh, you know, the rays need to come up with X and Z, Y amount of money. Well, hey, it's not your business. You know, the people just appointed you four years, you know, to run that business. And now you're at the very end of that appointment. And, you know, why ram it through when there's clear contention on it? And same with city council. These people make $52,000 a year. Why are they deciding what happens to 86 acres and a multi-billion dollar project? I agree with that totally. I wouldn't take financial so, I wouldn't take financial advice from someone that only makes $50,000 a year, let alone uh, a rely city, on it. <laughs> city economic development of 86 acres from someone that makes $52,000 a year. That's what we're trusting. We're trusting someone that makes fifty-two grand a year to decide, oh, they can't even pick paint for their own house. I agree. Let alone... And, and they're a lawyer, let's say. No offense to lawyers, but let's... Well, there's lawyers no, are they're, deal they're, killers, too. So. Well, but they're not. Yeah. They didn't grow up in construction. They don't know anything about construction. They don't know anything about development, and yet here they are. Uh, it's a real problem. Right. Uh, so let the people decide what they want in that land. It's the people's land. It's not, you know, Christman's land. It's not the city council's land. It's the people's land. And so the only way to decide what's best for the people is Give to it to them. let them vote. Mm. So, you know, we're rolling out that website. I believe it's active now, stopthetrop.com. Okay. And so, you know, Sweet. we're putting our finishing touches on it, but, you know, it's going to a petition to, you know, call for a citywide referendum to vote on how Tropicana is redeveloped. Well, I can support that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, you know, then there's a couple other issues at the county level and city level, you know, they're going to be focusing on as well. Like? Um, so Pinellas County is trying to add a five cent per gallon tax on gas. Um, you know, so when gas is already, you know, how going high up. going yeah. up, you know, and as far as I can remember, granted, I'm only 28, but I even thought going back to like 
Kennedy and Carter, you know, they were against a dependency on foreign oil. <laughs> um, so I don't know why we're like we've going. Tra- we've changed, right? I don't know why we're going backwards. Where having our own, you know, supplies and resources and oil and energy is a bad thing. When uh, that's what we were talking about in the '60s and '70s, that a dependency on foreign oil was a bad thing. Mm. Um, but I guess people, you know, forget that. Mm. Um, so now, you know, we have a greater dependency on foreign oil and prices are going up. You know, hey, let's add a five cents per gallon tax on there. For what? Infra- for sewage? In- infrastructure. Infrastructure. In- infrastructure. Always more and more infrastructure. I had, I got on tape a candidate's um, solution to the budget crisis up in Mississippi. And she said, we, we just, we asked the department's what they need they tell us so we got to do it so we we have to either raise taxes or we have to issue bonds to get them the money that they need they don't realize that you can economize as well and tell the departments no you don't need that and right whatever um again you know probably you know mississippi i mean their city council people are probably making like 10 17 grand, 17 you know, 17 grand years so what, do, what do they know and people their whole life are used to being told what to do so when you have these bureaucrats that have been in office or bureaucrats that have been in a work government for 20 years yes. and run a department, you know, some of these, you know, elected officials, air quotes, um, don't know anything. And they just follow whatever lead, you know, some department head tells them, oh, I've been here for 20 years. I've seen how many city council people. That's what people have told me. Oh, you know, these you know people that have been in government forever. Oh, I've seen how many mayors or how many city council people. And, you know, they think they're the kingmakers. Right. And no, they're not. It's the people. Right. People are the kingmakers. Right. And that's why FDR and Ronald Reagan were both against and government employees unionizing because once they do unionize they can hold elected officials feet to the fire but they're the only ones that are accountable to the people where these government employees aren't accountable to nobody they'll get the spoils too yeah. you know the people won't yeah mm. mercy well who have we not talked about um uh well we haven't really talked about blackman um I again I don't know him but I'm leaning towards him because I did I I did learn of an experience that a friend of mine had with him who owns the cigar bar up the street. Yeah. And Christman was trying to put him out of business. Greg. Greg was trying to be put out of business and he went to Blackman who's his city councilman and or a city councilman and um but he, he fought for him and, and got all the way up to the governor and ended up, they were able to keep it open. Right. But he was tenacious, which I like. I mean, that was, forget about what he says. I know that that's what actually happened, which right, is a right. good thing to yeah. learn when there's a lot of talk and there's not a lot of walk. But other than that, I don't know. Um, you know, there's only, you know, a couple of th- you know, it's easy to, you know, point out the things that are not the best i guess um you know there's so few decisions the government makes a lot of decisions but you know there's so few really you know things like that you know that you know somebody can you know point to yeah. point to and he's only been in office for you know a year and a half and you know and i know a lot of people that you know helped you know get you know council member blackman elected you know a year and a half ago and are disappointed um, you know, because people spend a lot of time and treasure 
getting someone there expecting you know four years of hey this safe is now gone see this you know seat is safe yeah yeah um, and now like you said they're gone yeah. um so it's kind of you know you ambition know, I, it, well ambition and you know i talked with rob and you know it's you know it's kind of like you know he's push it off your chips in the center I mean, you know, you have to resign your seat, you know, so if, even if he loses, he doesn't get to go back to city council. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a big risk for him. So, you know, he feel, must feel confident in it. Um, what did he do before? Uh, he was, did real estate. I okay. Think, yeah, with his uh, mom or his parents have a company, so... Well, he's in a pretty strong position cash-wise. I think he's raising some money. I know Darden is raising a lot of money, but spending a lot, spending of, it. A lot of it, burning through it, which is not a good thing for her. Right. Um, let's see here. We've got... Um, Sneaky Pete. <laughs> Sneaky Pete. I did like his logo the best. Yeah, Democrat did it. Did he? <laughs> she, yeah. She? Yeah. I like that. St. Pete for Pete or Pete for St. Pete. Yeah, I won't. I won't give the company any credit or name drop. <laughs> them, but uh, yeah. Now you're in real estate. Yeah. You're a commercial realtor. Uh, I flip properties, so buy houses, fix them up, resell them. So okay. More of like an investor. I did that. Yes. I, I did that once. Yeah. Three years ago, and we made money, but That's it was. Good. I, I must have grown a lot of gray hair during that, and I'll never do it again. Yeah. Because. You really have to have the subcontractors. If yeah. you don't, you're screwed. Yeah. So yeah. I have a good team, and you know, use the yes. same guys for the work, and um, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like McDonald's. You know, you know what, you know, you know what you got to do, and if you got to, you know, make this item, you already have, you know, your materials and what you're going to get done, and just right. popping it in there. Um, right. When it's your, you know, first time, and you don't know what to get and you know uh you know if you're trying to make the house like for yourself you know you can get uh, caught up in a yes, lot of details i did that yeah i wanted to make it perfect yeah but someone's gonna come in and say i hate that right and then want to change it right so right my partner was was really good he's done a lot of houses but yeah. uh um i grew up in construction i mean my dad built hotels nice and i worked on them in the summer and it's very cyclical because of interest rates, basically, right. and the economy. And I, I never wanted that as a career, right. that cyclicality. Um, plus, when the owner doesn't pay the general contractor, and it's Friday, and the subcontractors need to get paid, it creates a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I was just at a house today, you know, I had, you know, guys working on the roof, AC, I'm walking around, electrical people pointing out stuff, plumbing, I'm pointing to people, I'm just going through a checklist of, you know, 10, 20 things, and then, you know, so. So what do you think about the market? I mean, I, I was just talking this flipping market, the real estate market with Rick Lewis, who you may know, uh, he's 65 probably, he's been in real estate forever. Nice. Um, he's a realtor. Um, he's not an, in, well, he does some projects, I guess, but I'm a license. some people are not jumping in because they're, they're thinking, Oh, we're at the height. Yeah. I mean, there's risk with anything. You know, I tell people, you know, you put money in the market and, you know, putting your money there, you know, are you, uh, you know, high risk, low risk? What are you investing in? Um, you know, at least real estate, it's a tangible, at least you own something physical, you can touch, um, and, you know, somewhat control, 
Um, you know, the good thing about, you know, St. Pete and Pinellas County is we're a peninsula where water's limit, where there's limit, you know, and, you know, you can build really for 98, 99% developed. So you can't really build anymore. So if you look at, you know, the housing market, you know, in 07, 06, 07, 08, you know, there was a couple of different things, you know, people say, oh, you know, I see the same, you know, writing on the wall from then. I'm like, well, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. That was, um, you know, lending. Bond and correct. You know, financing. lending was bad. And, and you had, you know, you had a lot of new developments going up then too. You know, there's not like there's, you know, new developments going up in St. Pete of, you know, 200, 300 new houses. Sure. Um, you know, so it's the same ones. And you have a huge influx of, you know, a thousand plus people move to Florida a day. Um, so, you know, supply and demand. Yeah. So, you know, it's whether you buy something and maybe the market, you know, takes a slight turn, you know, as long as you don't need, you know, liquidity, I mean, you can always rent it out and, you know, I buy stuff for cash. Um, so it's not like I have to, you know, pay the note on it or make the mortgage payments, you know, paying insurance and taxes. Um, you know, so I can always put a tenant in there and, you know, cover those two things and, you know, make a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, and wait for the market to turn and then, you know, sell it. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, if someone's leveraging, you know, credit or debt or other assets to buy, you know, a house for an investment, you know, yeah, I would maybe, say, you yeah. know, yeah, you know, you may, maybe want to, you know, think about it or, you know, maybe, you know, put it in a mutual fund, you know, until, you know. If something happens on a national level, you know, if God forbid we get in a war or, you know, anything, you know, happens, you know, the market, you know, the reins are going to pull back and it's going to slow down. Um, so, but people need somewhere to live though. So we put a second, I live in the old Northeast and we put a second floor in the house in 2005 and I really wasn't looking to, as an investment, I was, you know, we were having children. Right. And, um, but by God, what a different category that puts you in right Right now if you look at what's going on in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, largely for what you say, there's no there's no place to build. There's a guy that crossed the street from me that had the only, I think, undeveloped plot, lot. Um, <clears throat> he subdivided his property and sold that undeveloped lot yeah. for like 600 grand. Yeah. And I remember paying 200 for mine. With Back in 2000, with a house on it, right? right. 225, I think it was. It's right. amazing. I guess we're getting older. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know, uh, St. Pete's a you know great place to live. Um, you know, I just wish it was you know great for everybody. You know, I, you know, I think we should have a higher focus on you know the 600 homeless kids. I think we should have a higher focus on you know, I mean, you're you know, I'm sure you know in the old Northeast, you're probably seeing. You know, every day or a couple of times a week, someone's car got broken into or someone's car got stolen, you know, ring, you know, doorbell notification or on the next door app, you know, oh, my car got broken into, um, you know, and then all of our infrastructure issues, which, mm-hmm. you know, people constantly flooding, flooding and, you know, sewage, sewage. Um, you know, so, you know, we can't, you know, build a sewage plant on top of another sewage plant. So it's great that, you know, we can build up 50 stories for condos, you know, but we can't build up 50 stories for a sewage plant. So got to have a new one. Is that the, the concept? Yeah, you got to you got to have it, but there's nowhere to go. You know, oh, I see what you're saying. We're landlocked. So, you know, to circle back, you know, we're landlocked. So, you know, there's nowhere to build new houses. Mm. You can only go up. There's nowhere to build a new water treatment plant or a new sewage plant. So what are we going to do? So, 
you know i think put it uh, out to sea <laughs> more in our aquifers like christman has done so uh, interesting well i really wish you were running because these are the issues that i think people are concerned about quite frankly i think you were onto something and you were onto your your strategy of knocking and trying to do a face-to-face as an alternative to someone writing a check yeah i mean i was raising you know a decent amount of money too you know i think our total you know raised you know it's probably about you know between my um you know a pack that you know someone you know friends of instant wiki and you know my campaign you know we're probably close to you know 50 grand or so um where all of our money was going straight towards you know marketing and advertising you know it wasn't going towards consultants or office space or some of these can some of these candidates even buy coffee you know, and then write it off as a campaign meeting. Right. And I'm like, if well, if you can't afford a two, three dollar coffee, where are you like, running from? Like, you probably shouldn't be running for mayor. <laughs> right. um, you know, people that donate to your campaign shouldn't be buying you coffee or putting gas in your car. Right. Um, because then what are you going to do with the people's money once you're elected? Oh, well, you know, we had an office, we had a, you know, city meeting. So, I mean, you see sometimes they, you know, city workers go to the mill and, you know, bring out, you know, they do a huge order and we, the people, the taxpayers pay for, you know, these catering orders that they're doing at city hall. Hmm. That's corruption. Small corruption, but corruption. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, it starts with a candidate not being able to buy their own coffee or gas that's where it starts but yeah. nobody calls it out right but you do and that's why you need to be in the race so you can someone's calling it out i mean I, you're going to be calling it out on next door and on my facebook page in yeah. this interview which is good but uh did you disappoint a lot of people in bailing out that wrote checks to you um so again you know i'm not you know necessarily going away and uh you know we've uh you know just re- not this time yeah we've re- you know refunded you know some of our you know donations that we got um you know we did have a lot of signs and stuff like shirts and stuff like that you know so obviously we spent we've had some expenses sure we've had some, so um you know but you know we're not going away and i'm 28 so um, well keep activate keep being active and um and, and i think that's you know going to be a, a a real key factor is you know a lot of people that run for office you know, they kind of like disappear, you know, after they run, um, you know, but I'm already rolling out other issues and agendas that I'm going to try to tackle. And so, you know, it's just the beginning. To me, that is a, a great uh, way to build a resume for future office. Right. And, and I believe in incremental responsibility. You know, that's why I had such a, you know, so my plan, you know, in some of my interviews, I talked about it while I was planning to run for city council for two years. Um, and then, you know, I met with a lot of, you know, people that I thought would maybe make good or would, you know, get a lot of support from, you know, the kind of the uh, fiscal conservative, um, you know, side of the city. And, you know, I met with a lot of them and they're like, yeah, no, we're not running for mayor. And so I just kept on asking around, like, well, who's going to run for mayor? And you know, all these people just kind of shrugged their shoulders and I'm like, well, why don't you run? I was like. Well, you know, it's pretty bad, and I'll trash Pete Bowen again, uh, you know, when, you know, he talks about, you know, St. Pete needing a leader, you know, he left the city of St. Pete, he went and moved to Ocala, so, you know, when St. Pete, you know, needed, you know, someone to step up and really, you know, be involved, um, he left, and, you know, people say, oh, you're only 28, you know, why are you running for mayor, and then I always turn the question around, well, why don't you run, 
you know someone, yeah you know someone's 50 60 years old no one wants to run that and, they you and, know it's tough they give me a hard time it's like oh well you're only 28 well okay well why don't you run you know i always tell people if, if you don't that's like, a good comeback if you don't like you know the 28 year old running that lays out issues and solutions you know well you run you're you're 50 what are your ideas you know not you per se but you know knock on people's doors or be on the phone with people or online well okay well you could run but you haven't so you know it was a theodore roosevelt you know the credit belongs to the man in the arena um you know whose you know, face is getting you know marred and yeah with blood bloody. sweat and mud great blood. you know not to those who are you know the critics on the outside but it's the person in the arena who's actually fighting and so it's easy for people just to call oh you're young or you're this well okay well what, what did you do when you were 28 you know i have a real estate business had employees um have employees um you know, I live on my own. I've lived on my own. Oh, you had a great resume. I 21. Think. You were um, honest. I think that was you, or was it Pete that that smoked all the pot? No, was that Pete? Pete? Yeah. <laughs> I well, read that today. Well, he didn't smoke pot. He was arrested for you know DUI and selling cocaine. Wow. So it wasn't, I didn't it know wasn't that. Just smoking pot. I thought he mentioned smoking pot or something as kind of a no. He was arrested. Juvenile. Arrested at uh, when he was 22 and 24. Mm. Uh, for DUI and selling and dealing cocaine. And he was up in Ocala at a place called, uh, I think, Rondo's, uh, where they were raided by the sheriff's office and FBI. You can look it up. Uh, Rondo's, I will. Rondo's in Ocala. Um, and Pete was the manager there. And he was conveniently outside when they were getting raided. And he said, oh, no one's breaking the law in here. And it's, it's a quote from a news article where he said, oh, no one's, it, these are false charges and accusations. And everyone inside got arrested for cocaine, prostitution, underage drinking girls. So, uh, wow. Know, yeah, I don't, you know, so uh, no one's really calling that out yet. Him and Rondo. Now, he is obviously positioning it as youth indiscretions and i've grown is okay, there is well, there a defense to that no, yeah no i'm 28 yeah. like you, you, yeah that means you should be doing those things right now right and i'm probably. not i've been i've been sober for two and a half years by my own accord you know i was 265 pounds three years ago wow. you know i'm like 205 210 now That's great uh and you know i wasn't happy with you know being overweight you know eating out and so i just decided one day hey i'm gonna stop drinking going to get a personal trainer, work out, you know, and lose weight. And then I just never decided to go back to drinking because it's just wasting money. And it's it terrible for you. And it doesn't, you know, there's no benefit to like just going out and, you know, drinking, you know, or, you know, two, three nights out of the week, you know, partying. It doesn't, didn't do anything for Not anymore anyway. Um, <laughs> it used well, to at, be. At, at the age of 28, you know. When I was 22, I guess. Um, so, you know, there's no... Yeah, yeah that's where, interesting. And people don't change, right? You know. So Blackman's gonna just destroy him. Clearly, he first of all he's way ahead in the money, uh, and and money doesn't it, buy and with that, no. But it 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 um, it can buy name ID, right? Hopefully, you know. But what name ID? You know, you have to overcome a couple bad votes on city council. Um, you know, Blackman's a registered Republican. I don't think there's a secret to that. Um, but you've done things to position yourself away from the base. Mm. So. Well, that'll be very interesting indeed. Um, Again, it's like you said, it's a popularity contest. So I'd be surprised if you see anybody. You I know, agree. Robert, you know, Blackman, you know, he said a couple critical things about the mayor. But outside of that, 
Uh, I'd be surprised if you see anybody take a real hard, critical stance uh, against no, anybody. It'd have to come from Welch or Newton if they see that they are not going to win. And they may be prone to throw a Hail Mary some kind of to, to get their voter their right. voters in line well i believe in in this air you know of technology and information and people being able to do their own you know research besides you know reading a paper or watching three news channels you know they'd be able to see someone pander or you know try to play a political card or to score political points and you know like you said you know people want substance and issues and you know they're tired of you know the division of you know race or equality yes. and that you know i think i said in one of my you know we're you know we're all americans you know we're all you know residents of saint pete and that's what always bothers me is people say oh do you live in north saint pete or south saint pete right. i live on central avenue so you know you tell me i live there, <laughs> you're right in the middle i'm right in the middle there is no to me you know and coming from baltimore you know people didn't say oh did you like live in north baltimore or south baltimore i mean there that wasn't like a question like oh you're from baltimore okay and so it's like i moved here you know uh back in 2016 and people say oh you know where do you live in st north st pete south st pete and i'm like well why does that matter like right well, and well and a by the way i live on central avenue so i'm not north or south so you, you you tell me and they're like well is it north of first avenue south i'm like yeah well then you're north st pete but i'm south of first avenue <laughs> <Everything> north <else. laughs> so yeah. so you know i i think you know to your point about me being out of the race, a lot of people liked that narrative, you know, from me is that, uh, you know, people are tired of North St. Pete or South St. Pete. One or the we're other. All, we're, yeah. all, we're all just like St. Pete. Like, why is that? Like, why is that a political issue? Why is it like, what are you going to do for South St. Pete? Or what are you going to do for North St. Pete? Well, it's like, well, well, what, how about I just do great stuff for all of St. Pete and everyone's happy. Um, I so. just kind of think he got out too early because you didn't give a chance for maybe the voters to because nobody's paying attention maybe they're starting to but they uh, I, you know I don't think they're paying attention they will two weeks before primary but um, and that's and I, I blame the news I mean the media for that I mean I'll trash the Tampa Bay Times and Bay News 9 while I can next Tuesday at 12 yes. noon yeah. to 1 p.m. So what better way to suppress public engagement, people seeing the candidates, people getting to know people, than A, doing a virtual debate, is B, doing it on Tuesday. No one's going to watch that. Do you have any idea if, if they will allow other press in? I, I don't know. I, I was uh, on the phone with someone from the Times, you know, two weeks ago, and I was like, you know, because at first they said, oh, well, you know, the COVID and the pandemic, you know, at a unprecedented you know caution you know we're doing it virtually and then i was like well the city hall they had all these developers come into the coliseum hundreds of people came for all these developer pitches why can't you guys just go there and have each candidate you know 10 feet apart and if the public wants to come in you know separate the chairs a little bit whatever and but at least have let it the open. public let yeah. the public in. oh well you know we can't do you know that's uh you know covid but it's like well, what about tropicana field now that's taxpayer subsidy by two million dollars a year. Just give each candidate their own section. <laughs> you know they could it's be a great a, idea. they could be a hundred feet apart. You know and let people in up top or whatever to listen and to watch whatever. You can. I'd be safe. They have raised games. Why can't you do that? Oh well, that would cost too much money. Blah 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 blah. 
so now they made it about like money and newspaper subscriptions are down so they don't have money to you know host and rent places yeah yeah and i said so now they're going to send a news crew to every candidate and i was like well how much money is that going to yeah. cost a, pro- a film you know oh camera. so this is going to be like a what do they call it on tv virtual where there's six people yeah zoom yeah uh, and so I said, well, how much money does that cost sending a production crew to each candidate? And then I said, and then, and then just in a latch diff, ditch effort, just to, you know, turn the knife or to, you know, prod a little bit. I said, well, what if all the candidates agreed to do a virtual debate and they all did it from the exact same spot? <laughs> <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll do a virtual debate and you can send all the news crews there, but they're all just at the same location. How about that? <laughs> And then she didn't really say anything, and I was like, okay, have a good day. And Can I'm, you write a letter to the editor, or is that I mean, we've, we've done a petition. I mean, we had a couple hundred signatures of people signing a petition saying, no, we don't want a virtual debate. They didn't care I've got about a press that. pass, so I want to go there and act like a press, and so I can you video can. All the it. candidates are going to be in different locations. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's but, like, I, but the press, the, the public, rather, can tune in. On well, Tuesday at noon. Which is when it's... That's when it's live, no? Yeah. Okay. So what, not a lot of, I mean, A, there's, there's no interaction. There's no interaction. No question. There's been no marketing or advertising for it, really. It sounds like a forum more than a debate. It's a virtual debate. That's That's what they say. That's what they're calling it. Um, but Tuesday at noon, like there's the average person, they don't even have city council meetings Tuesday at noon because the average person can't even show up to that. You know, so why Tuesday at noon is is, is absurd. I mean, at least do it. Why not six o'clock, seven o'clock at night? The paper's I mean, awful. Uh, the Tampa Bay Times is just well, awful. Well, it's Times and Bay News Nine. They're doing it together. Yeah. But you figure, why not do it at six, seven o'clock at night and stream it? We know? did the forum up in Mississippi. It was the newspaper and the WCBI TV, yeah. and they did it at seven o'clock at right. night. But it's it's suppressing yeah. public engagement. And the people to actually get to know the candidates. So you know, you you know, if you want to factor that, like you know, into someone's decision from staying in the right, you know, it's you know, how are you going to break out, you know, and get attention in a virtual forum on Tuesday at noon? What if <laughs> what if we created a debate and put it on? And show them that we don't need any money to create a debate. Vince Nowicki and you know some other stakeholders of the city will be hosting an in-person debate and inviting all the candidates. Oh, okay. Well, you're already ahead of me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. When is yeah. it? Uh, well, we're rolling it out here in the next week or two. So you'll be the first one to know all the details. Well, great. Well, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. And I think we probably went over. And um, sorry for the noise earlier, but... Uh, this is very eye-opening, I think, because uh, I'm all for doing things differently and not um, interviewing, you know, let's say the front runner right away. Right. Um, so, and, but I'm still, um, as I said in my post, I did a little post on next door that I was a little disappointed after talking to you because I felt that you might have been my candidate. <laughs> And you're you're not not now. I feel that even more more so than ever. But uh, like you said, tomorrow's another day. And you know, uh, politics. As much as I'd love, you know, to be a race, um, it's a marathon. You know, so as yes. much as I, you know, love to sprint to the front and you know represent, you know, the people of St. Pete, no matter where you live. Um, 
you know, it's, it's a marathon. And I think, you know, you know, building the trust and confidence, you know, more than I already have over the last seven months, you know, with working on a couple key legislative and policy issues. Uh, you know, I think in four years, the people of St. Pete uh, will see me as the front runner. I think so. I think so. And hopefully they'll, they'll know you more and you won't stop working for, for everybody's best interest. It's one thing I love to do is live to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs>